Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. Tony, looking clean shaven today. A little bit better than usual, uh, at least over the past month. I can't, uh, can't say that I'm a very good grower of beards. The COVID playoff beard is coming to an end. As we no move. one would confuse me for a sage, wise old man. I'll tell you that. Yes. I'd probably think I'm more like a 16-year-old. Or a so. creepy middle-aged man who hangs around schools with this mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, what have you been doing? What have you been up to during uh, this... Uh, well, we were trying to demo our kitchen, but then Ikea refused to deliver our countertops. So very luckily, I hadn't already demoed our existing countertops because <laughs> that would have been pretty bad. But I know how to tie some knots now. I can tie a sliding hitch, a uh, bowline. So that's what I picked up. Teaching my did you get also. Did you order a pair of Sperry's? online for your new sailing hobby that you're going to get into no uh i'm not a boatsman more more of a cam- <laughs> more camping what are they called don't they call it a coxswain uh yeah sure man that's a word word of the day i don't even know what it means but i know it's a word um so that's cool yeah i've just been reading books oh yeah which has been i uh i started reading anywhere between five and ten pages a day and I will say that just that a small amount, I've been powering through books like nobody's business this year. I um, I I read the Investing Out of State book from Bigger Pockets, which actually um, made me realize that I think next year I will buy a property out of state. I just to experience it. I work with a lot of out of state investors as a realtor. So I figured, why not experience it myself as some education? Hmm. And um, maybe as I delve into that, I'll have more to talk about as far as how I've been evaluating markets to look at, how I've been talking to realtors out of state, all that kind of stuff that my customers come to me with, but I don't really have any of the background on doing it. So it'll be kind of cool to do that sort of thing. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I also read, um, I read the uh, Napoleon Hill book, the, um, uh, now it's escaping me. Um, but that one was interesting cause it's old. It's like 1936. Uh, yeah. I don't know it. What's it about? Um, it's about how to make money. I believe it's like the first uh, book on like self-improvement. Um, is it Think and Grow Rich is the name of the book. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. A bunch of people mention it. It's kind of cool and there's a lot of good statements in it, but then a lot of it's definitely still dated. He talks a lot about utilizing your sexual energy 
<laughs> which is a little uh, strange for a self-improvement book. Made me feel slightly uncomfortable. Was not what I thought I was getting into. It's probably a whole 5 to 8% of the book has comments on utilizing your sexual energy. Well, I feel like you're being a little closed-minded. So <laughs> maybe that's why I uh will not think and grow rich as much as Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford and all the other super current references in the book. Yeah. It um it is a pretty cool perspective though because he wrote it coming out of the Great Depression. Mm. So a lot of the stuff in the book was actually kind of interesting to read with today's perspective because it's like a lot of the things that he said were lessons learned and stuff that we should improve as a society you could see over time a lot of those things kind of reverted back to a lot of the problems that he was talking about it seems like so kind of like history repeats its stuff i think a lot of the improvements that he was talking about that we made coming out of the depression we need to probably make again, especially regarding like leadership um, in all areas, financial leadership, political leadership, um, medical, everything. So all across the board. But yeah, so I'd recommend both those books. Um, Think and, Go and Grow Rich is more of a mindset book. And then Investing Out of State is more practical, practical, applicable tips. So yeah. that's cool. Nice. Okay. Well. Let's jump into our first question then. We'll see if uh, we can apply any of that newly gained wisdom. We'll see. Hey, I'm looking to own and rent out my own property. I was wondering if you thought that having a real estate license uh, is beneficial to all of the things involved uh, with that process. Thanks. Bye. So I uh two things here. I don't think that we got his name, and I don't think that we got where he was calling from. So that means that we get to create his name and say where he's calling from. Mm. So I'm going to say he's calling from Saskatchewan in oh. Canada, 100%. He sounds like, you know, totally, totally Canadian, 100%. And then what do you, what do you think his name is? Oh, well, I recognize his voice. That is Justin Trudeau. So <laughs> exactly. We have we have a very diverse audience. Lots of influential people just line up to listen to us speaking engagements everywhere. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the question is about getting your real estate license, which I guess Trudeau's looking for a new line of work. Very prestigious line of work as a realtor. Um, being one I get this question a lot, investors that are looking at getting their license to try to benefit their investing. Um, and one thing that I always tell people is like, it's not as beneficial to have your license unless you're also working as a realtor. Um, number one, it is it does cost money. So there's an actual cost here. I mean, you're you're going to pay for the classes, you're going to pay for the license, you're going to pay dues monthly to your broker, you're going to pay any membership dues over the course of the year. That's just to hold the license. And then there's other costs too, as far as actually being able to use it. Like you have your lockbox key fee, your errors and emission insurance fee, um, 
all kinds of other costs monthly if you take them on and use them. Um, so if you're not actually using your license to generate money, which it's a great, a great job, even if you have a full-time job to generate a little bit of extra cash, it's not super beneficial, I don't think, unless you're buying enough properties every year to the point that the commission savings is worth it because you will get paid your own commission on a deal and you obviously save commission when you list a house. Um, the only thing that I say there is it's like, how much is your time worth too? So, you know, if you're trying to just save money, it's like, well, yes, you are, but you're also going to be doing all that work for yourself. So if you have the right knowledge and experience and everything as well, then it makes sense. But part of the reason why you're paying your realtor is because they presumably should have the right knowledge and experience to help save you money, whether it's negotiation or just providing advice to get you out of like a bad situation or something like that. Um, I know that there's a lot of reasons to have an agent, which not the point of this conversation. So I won't go into that. Um, but I would say the only reason to actually get your license is if you plan on practicing real estate, because even a lot of the knowledge that you get has nothing to do with the classes. I mean, the classes that we take, at least in Pennsylvania, don't, I hate to put it this way, but you don't really learn anything incredibly useful in the real estate classes. It's all like regulations and stuff like that, which is important, but it's not practical to actually doing a transaction. So most of the education that you get is from your broker's classes, but even more importantly, just from actually going out and doing transactions. So if you are working as an agent, it's very beneficial because you're going to get involved in way more deals and way more situations than you would just buying properties as yourself. But if you're not going to do that, I wouldn't suggest people just get their license just to get it. It, it doesn't provide the connections that people think it will just by nature of having it to build those connections and build that knowledge. You actually have to do deals as an agent. If you don't, then it's just a title that you're paying for every month. That's my basic spiel. Yeah. I, th I think kind of from a slightly different psychological perspective on sort of what we've talked about in the past, I actually think it's a, if you're, if you're doing, if you already have a bunch of momentum in here, and you say, hey, I know exactly how much I would save every year because I've done this for the last two or three years. This is how many transactions I've done. That might be a good time to have, at, like, think about this. But I think when you're first getting started, this is actually an excuse you can give yourself to not be an investor and like not have the roll the dice mindset. And you are entering into that. If I only had X, then I could do this. And it becomes like a very finite, measurable, you know, there is a very specific core set, you know, click here, do this, boom, eventually you'll get your uh, certification, your credentials. Um, and that is very different than uh, investing, which is like risk based and uh, much, much less deterministic. So uh, I think from a different perspective, I would say just stay out of this. It's a distraction until it's not a distraction. You know, it's an important thing but it's absolutely not the first thing. And uh, even if you don't buy any of that, you at least want to have an agent because at least you have one more person more experienced than you involved with you in the transaction. 
So, and if you can't, if you can't even pick a good agent, how are you going to pick a good house? So you gotta, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a good way to actually not get started on the main thing, which is real estate investing. Yeah. Unless, unless, like I said, your intent is to actually practice real estate. If that's the case, it's a good way to get started because you'll learn by doing, which is a, a good thing. Um, and then even once you get to that point where you do know what you're doing, it comes down to like, do you really want to do all that work for yourself? I mean, do you, sometimes it's nice to have an intermediary because you can, with certain situations, it helps your negotiating because it's not like people can use pauses and stuff to negotiate with you because every time there's like an intermediary going back and forth. So it becomes a little bit more, yeah, lot r- rational, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the negotiation leaves emotion out of it a bit better. Uh, as long as there's two good agents, sometimes you run into. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it won't go that direction. Sometimes. But um, but then it comes down to two. Like, are you? Do you really want to do all your own paperwork? Do you really want to file all that stuff? Like, if your time is worth more than you're paying the agent, then it makes sense to keep paying the agent. And if you get to the point where you have the experience necessary to do an adequate enough job to replace your agent, your time is probably worth more than most of the agents are making. So yeah, that, that part of it too. Yeah. I just, you know, like, especially with uh, Justin Trudeau here, I feel like for him specifically the answer, I don't know Canada very well. I have to be honest, but my, my intuition is, you know, you are using this as an excuse not not to invest you know not to embark on the process of investing and like face the rejection and the risk and the sweaty palmsness of putting your money down and stepping into that thing so yeah um, okay makes well, sense let's jump into our next question uh and i know that this is from bernard in north carolina so you don't need <laughs> to think of their name <laughs> i wish i could hi This is Bernard calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. I was wondering if you could help clarify something for me. I've heard that you shouldn't buy an investment property unless you can get more than 1% of the purchase price in monthly rent. But I can't find any properties like this in Raleigh. Do you think it's still a good idea for me to invest? Thanks. Bye. Yeah, so... The, do you want to talk briefly about the 1% rule just in case people haven't heard about it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, essentially it just says if you're going to buy a house, you take 1% of your purchase price and that's what you should expect to get in rent uh, every month. So if I buy a house for, let's say, $100,000 to keep things simple, I would expect $1,000 of rent to come off of the house. And I would imagine quite a few people right now are thinking wow that feels really hard to pull off and uh Hmm. i think bernard is one of those people so that's the one percent rule (laughs) and you'll even hear people talk about the two percent rule (laughs) which is very difficult to find in a metro area um the theory behind the one percent rule is that if you get a property that meets the one percent rule it should at least break even that's why exists it's a rule of thumb it's not like an excuse for actually doing the real numbers but can help you sift through 
a number of different properties quickly and then do the actual numbers if one meets that. So I know that the reason why Bernard is talking about this is likely because Raleigh is a very expensive market. So it's probably a hot market, things like that. So he's wondering if he should just, like he said, not invest or I guess keep trying to look. So two pieces of advice here. Number one, um, maybe you just need to, if you still want to invest in your local market, maybe you just need to start to tap other sources of properties. Like maybe your on MLS properties are just too hot and you need to try to do a little bit more work to find some stuff, whether it's a mail campaign or something. I mean, there are investors in your market probably. So how are they finding their deals? So there might be a little bit more uh, work that you have to do to find in your local market. Additionally, you could run the numbers on some properties and see if they make sense um, from kind of like a rent appreciation perspective, as long as they're not losing money. So I won't really buy properties strictly on appreciation. Like I won't spend money every month to hang on to a property um, just because, but I think even if the numbers are like 50 to a hundred dollars a month in cash flow or something, you could still probably buy it as long as it's in a nice enough area that the tenants will be easy, the maintenance on the property will be easy, that sort of thing. Um, so there might still be deals that work when you actually analyze the numbers versus just looking at the rule of thumb. So those are the two things that I would do first. I'd look for other sources of deals that actually meet your criteria. And then number two, I would actually run the numbers to see, you know, how they look after you do the analysis versus just the rule of thumb. And then the biggest thing sticking out here is like, if you're still interested in real estate investing and it doesn't work in your local market for you, then why aren't you looking out of state or even in state, but just in a different town? So it's like, instead of just your own area, you probably just need to expand other markets. That's the most common thing that people do in this situation. Do you have anything to add, John? Yeah, I, I don't, honestly. I have all the same thoughts. Like, you know, I, I guess I would just say typically in major areas, you have kind of a real estate cycle. Not all of the United States is on exactly the same cycle. And in particularly in Raleigh right now, they are kind of going through what I would say is like a Denver-esque kind of cycle right now where lot of technology jobs are coming in uh you're seeing you know like durham particularly is really roaring and um you know it's it's just it's it's going to be hard for you to buy a one percent cash flow deal there that's not in a very uh rough part of town and that's just that's where rally is right now if we were talking three four years ago uh you wouldn't have called us because you'd be too busy buying houses so you know, it's, it's a, you know, there's advice and then there's advice for right now. So, uh, yeah, other the other, that, I think you're on the nose with everything though. Yeah. The other thing is that there's always a way, I mean, people are still investing in every market. So there's a strategy that works in every market. Like I don't know Raleigh that well, so it's hard for me to just give advice for there in a vacuum. However, my guess is that like if you're self-managing these buildings, you have an advantage. So you could your numbers can be 
a little bit tighter than people that are hiring a management company because your expenses are that much less. So if you really want to do it in your backyard, you just need to look for your unique advantages as an investor. That could be self-managing. Maybe you're handy. You can do more of the work. So your costs are less. You can maybe take on stuff that needs more fixes to help meet the rule. Um, if you can house hack it, you can get like a lower down payment. Your return on investment will be higher. If you know, there's plenty of different things that you can use your own situation for to kind of help you buy in your own backyard. But yeah, I, I actually totally agree with that. It's like I think the kind of the summary I've heard of this that I thought was very good is if there are flippers in your market, there are deals for you as someone who can be self-managed because you in theory you can move into that house and you you can always beat the flipper because you're not paying some of the transaction costs so there's always opportunity for you how big is the opportunity hard to say but it's enough for flippers to be interested and then the other thing I've you know there's markets that have unique you know sometimes it's you're near a military base so people are very good about marketing to the military or you know here in Pittsburgh you know, essentially people that work for the medical system get a rent stipend. So there's there's different kind of niches you can figure out. Another one, like we have a friend who invests in an area where basically every house has, um, or I shouldn't say every house, but there's a lot of foundation issues. So they have essentially become an expert at these foundation issue homes and they're single family homes. You know, some Joey bag of donuts isn't going to show up and say, oh, I really want to figure out how to put peers in my first starter home, right? So that's that's the that's the market he plays in. You know, it's not like, oh, I pick this neighborhood. It's like, oh, I pick in this neighborhood houses that have sandstone uh, <laughs> foundations, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, you have to you have to go a level deeper and uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's ways to make everything work. You just have to figure out what your unique advantage can be and then apply that. And I think. The first thing to do, though, is like you said, if there's flippers, there's deals and there are people flipping houses there. So you should still be able to find motivated sellers that you may be able to purchase from. So I think that first looking for sources outside of maybe the MLS would be a good first option. Yeah. OK, well, that's that's all we got. So I think just to recap kind of where we came in on the real estate license with Justin Trudeau from Canada uh we we said it uh you know you you have to think about what your time is going to be worth so if you feel like you know uh you can essentially make more money with your time then you know real estate license isn't going to be super helpful for you one just because your time is not worth it but two you know you're going to be learning about regulations uh you're not going to be necessarily doing deals as you get your license uh, from my personal perspective, I think it's you have to be very careful that you're not kind of making a socially acceptable excuse for yourself. Um, and then the major caveat that Tony called out was, look, if you're going to get in and you're going to start doing transactions as an agent, and that is your intention to build experience and and money for yourself that way, then yes, it's a it can be a great opportunity even if you have a job already. Then we talked to Bernard in North Carolina. He wants one percent deals can't find them tony and i both said tough cookies burnt pancakes you gotta look <laughs> at a market uh 
you got to look at where flippers are doing deals and you have to think about what are you going to essentially what are you going to do differently so are you going to be slightly outside a rally uh, in like a more rural area are you going to self-manage are you going to move in and be handy or are you going to invest out of market um, but there's certainly deals to be had they, they might not just be the deals that are coming into your email inbox every day in the exact zip code you plugged into Redfin or whatever you're using. Sound fair? Yeah, 100%. So what's something you learned this week where I can go? Yeah, you should go first so I can think of it. <laughs> All right. For me, it's not really so much something I learned. Um, it's more something to help what I have learned stick. So I've been reading these books. Like I said, uh, it's been one of my things that I've been doing while I've been stuck at home. I've just been reading a lot more. And to kind of help make it stick, I've just been making sure that every five to 10 pages that I read, like I said, that's what I'm reading every day. I try to take one concept from that and apply it into my business or into my life. So whatever I got from there, probably I have it left over from college, but I, I write in books a lot, which is like just pencil. I underline stuff or write next to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just look back after I'm done reading try to find a passage that I underlined and then ask myself, how can I apply that to my business? So then I take something and I put that in my business. Like I said, I was reading that investing out of state book. And while I'm not yet investing out of state, I took some things that were important for out of state investors that I underlined. I said, this is important for my customers. So how am I going to help them apply this to their business? So then I looked at my own business and said, okay, well, you know, these are some things that maybe they need help assessing. Because in the book, it talks about all, oh, how do you pick a market? So then I just built a sheet that says, Pittsburgh, had, like, th these are the statistics for these factors that you should be looking at. Compare that to other markets if you want. But mm -hmm. that'll help you know if Pittsburgh is the place to be for you. Hmm. So that's just one example. But I would say just reading in general is great. But if you're reading like a professional book, it really doesn't help you if you just read it and then never do anything with it. You need to actually apply what you're reading. Yeah, I agree. I've for a long time I've kept like a a blog where I actually take snippets of whatever I'm reading and I try and put them up there. And then I have a little thing that actually sends me an email of one of my snippets every day. And that then I I'm either like, oh, that's a good snippet, or I'm like, I need to remove this. Because you only have room for so many little yeah, aphorisms in your life. Yeah. Um, so I am listening to a book on uh, Vladimir Putin right now. Uh, or not Vladimir Putin, excuse me. I'm listening to a book on, oh man, now I forget who it is. I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit this so I don't sound like an idiot. That's what I did with mine at the beginning. I forgot. Man. Is it the... Uh, Joseph Stalin? No, who's the person right before Stalin? That uh, Lenin? It's yeah. Lenin. Yeah, it's Lenin. I don't yeah. know. That doesn't sound right. Boy, I'm just going to start over. I am <laughs> listening to a book about, uh, it's a biography of Vladimir Lenin. And uh, there's, I guess, two things that I didn't realize that he, he started the term democratic socialists which is super fascinating and kind of the current resurgence of that term and like just where that eventually wound up obviously Lenin was pretty pretty awful person uh, and dictator and then also 
basically the book describes him almost exactly like Donald Trump, where he was just like a really ferocious, um, really ferocious debater. And you'd almost think it's describing Trump. So it's just been really interesting to listen to it. Uh, hmm. He almost represents like kind of these two very different aspects of our current political system. So I had no, I guess I still have no idea actually about historical Russian politics. But anyway, that's uh, that's been a very, uh, it's actually a terrible book. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's been very interesting <laughs> in that context. So yeah. I like those. Uh, I watch a lot of documentaries about that kind of stuff. I I used to read books like history books, but now I I listen to more podcasts and watch documentaries. But all that stuff is kind of crazy because it's like everything that Lenin did, Stalin like one upped it, yeah, and went and went like even crazier. And then that's when it just became the cause was no longer reflected. It just became like dictatorship and people who say but it's interesting that you said that it's like just kind of a forceful personality on two completely different opposite ends of the spectrum um yeah i mean yeah i i don't know i started listening to the book and i was like oh wow this is very much describing like the democratic socialist movement i was like man those guys really need to pick a different name like this name's been taken and (laughs) it's not a good one and then uh yeah anyway and then i was like oh wow this sounds oddly familiar to her current president in his uh style as an actual leader so uh yeah kind of alarming but who knows probably just lost like half our subscribers so that's great (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe i don't know so we'll we'll find out (laughs) so call in with your uh no indictment no indictment for the trump train though i don't really care as long as you invest in real estate or yourself makes no difference to me who yeah. you uh yeah who you like yeah it's uh yeah honestly i think none of it actually matters it's like more more the kardashians and not <laughs> anything else really it's kardashians for a different class so when they argue it certainly seems like that <laughs> yeah 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 um <laughs> it's right. like uh all I hear is the Charlie Brown teacher. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's I just it's ruined my Facebook feed for sure. That I do know. <laughs> All right, Tony. Yeah. Well, where can people reach us if they have a question about geopolitics or real estate? So they can uh, call into the line. Um, you'll give them the number here in a second, and uh, just leave your your name, where you're calling from, and the question. If you don't leave your name and you don't leave where you're calling from, we will make your name for you and we will make up where you're from. And I will be much more creative about where you're from next time. You won't get off easily with Canada because that's really not like a bad place to be. I mean, Mm. impartial on Canada, no strong opinion. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) there's that. Uh, and then you can follow us at be free at be free re on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at four one two agent. We have our website, which is just be free re dot com. Um, yeah. So then, where can they call in if they have a question? Phone number is four one two two one two eight three six six. So let us know where you're from, or let us make your name. The yeah. names will also be better next time. Yeah, we're going to use the uh, same name generator that Post Malone used to make his rap name. 
<laughs> pre Malone. Yeah, yeah, pre Malone. Uh, all right, Johnny. See you, everybody. All right, I'll see you. All right, thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want more, check us out at BeFreeRE on Instagram. And let us know what you thought. Stay free. <laughs>